Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy session four of our Empowered Conference. beloved this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it hallelujah we can actually decide what our day is going to be like you can be seated instead of having instead of waking up and trying to figure out how do I feel we can make a declaration I loved that I loved that uh, when I saw the headline vow and declare edges out master of reality I was like yeah come on seriously you know our uh, the call of God to bring us into a place of consecration before him where we sit with him in heavenly places in a holy confidence uh, making declarations we don't have to be victims of our circumstances but we can actually create with our words You know, the Bible says that God created the world with his words, and you and I have been created in his image, and out of the mouth, death and life is in the power of the tongue, and we eat the fruit of our lips. So uh, I was really excited as we enter into this decade of declaration that the prophets are declaring around the world, uh, out of Melbourne, (laughs) a Queensland horse called Vow and Declare triumphed over master of reality and I was like it's just like you don't even have to be a prophet to see that that's like yes Jesus we're listening hallelujah well it's been such a delight genuine blessing and privilege to be here this weekend and I'm so excited for tonight Uh, just been so blessed to be in the house every time I get time with um, Pastor Chelsea and Pastor Dan and Ben I just oh I don't want to stop talking with them. It's just like, just, just keep talking, Chelsea. Just keep, because they spur me on. They spark me. And I get so, I get so much joy, conversation with these guys. And, um, and the culture that they've built here with passion for Jesus, prioritizing the presence and, and uncompromisingly uh, uh, staying with the word of God and preaching the gospel. I just honor them. They're my, de- my delightful friends that I enjoy so very much. And it's such a privilege uh, to be here. Be praying for them um, over these next uh, couple of months as they just seek the Lord. I was talking to Tom last night uh, uh, just about Dan and Chelsea. And, and we were just um, just amazed at their uh, their dove's eyes that they have you know the bible talks about my darling you have dove's eyes in the song of songs and doves don't have any peripheral vision they can only see what they're focusing on and uh and they really have determined to have dove's eyes where i'm not going to be distracted by anything that's happening on the edges i'm just going to stay with that which is pure and true and lovely and uh so it's a privilege to be here last night Oh, oh, just blessed my heart so much. And to watch how the Holy Spirit has just been throughout the whole conference, 
been speaking and leading and um, people being saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues on Friday night. Hallelujah. It's just the most beautiful thing. And then Saturday morning, Pastor Chelsea talking about because you've been, because the Spirit of God is upon you, because you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is upon you, therefore, go and be witnesses. And then, then all the people going out on the streets and then the great harvest last night of souls and, ah. Oh, it's just so beautiful to watch how the Holy Spirit is just so good and His Word is so wonderful. And um, we've been, I've had the privilege over the last month uh, hosting the Australian Prophetic Summit and then um, going over and being a part of the Global Prophetic Summit. And amazingly, to see how the Holy Spirit's saying the same things all around the world and uh, with the with the um, hearing what the Lord is saying about 2020 and 2020 vision um, and the heart of God for us to really recognize that he is calling us with an urgency to buy ourselves from him so that we can see clearly and begin to recognize, whoa, God. We, you know, um, I've been spending a lot of time recently in the book of Revelation and I get so much out of it. Um, but that, that passage in uh, Revelation chapter 3 about buying myself from him. He's talking to the uh, ladies here in church that, that prospered in selling myself and gold and fine garments. And they had become lukewarm as they had become engrossed in their everyday world and allowed their love to grow cold. And the, Lord, the challenge of the Lord to them to be zealous and repent. And, and he related to exactly what they were involved in, encouraging them to buy from him myself, to buy from him uh, linen garments and, and to be gold refined in the fire. And the heart of God for us in this season is that we would really lay hold of what he's offering to us. And that is an myself that will allow us to... Oh, recognize the truth and see again clearly and to repent of dead works because we're in a season of supernatural acceleration and I, I, see, I keep hearing the warning of God actually from Isaiah 62 to cast up the highway, the highway of holiness, take out the stones because in this season, you know, God is allowing us to prepare for a supernatural acceleration for the purpose of harvest. And the favor of God that's coming upon his people, the spotlight of God that's coming on his people as he begins to uh, show off his majesty and his glory is going to require a people who have made preparation. Because when the spotlight comes, you can see everything. And you want to be prepared in your heart that what, what gets seen, what gets exposed is the beauty of holiness, is God. In the, in the time of acceleration, both wheat and tares grow. And it's, everything's going to be accelerated. And so we need, to we need to hear the word of the Lord and say, yes, God. That's why I so appreciated the message last night. It, it blessed my heart so much. Because we've been hearing the Lord calling us back to, back to our first love, back to the place of ministering to Him. And I was, I was even sharing um, on Friday night 
that in my own life I've had to repent because as I've gotten busy, I've, I've begun to, and you know, I can be preaching almost every day and I'll be in a conference and there's worship and I'll take time to read my Bible and, and to pray, but I've allowed, often, I've allowed the, I'll, okay, I'm, I've got an hour of worship and I'll let that be my ministry to the Lord corporately and my personal time of ministering to the Lord has gone skinnier and skinnier and skinnier where I've actually, you know, been in the room and, and opened my voice and ministered to him, not just put on some worship and had a soaking time where he ministers to me, but actually me ministering to him. When I was younger, before I was busy and had all the invitations, I'd spend hours just ministering to him in, in my bedroom. And then, Ben, last night you said, you know, remember the times when you'd pull over on the side of the road? And I was like, oh, God, yes, that's me. I remember the days where the Holy Spirit, had, I'd feel his pull and I'd have to pull over on the side of the road and intercede. And then he'd show me visions about situations that were going on right at that moment. And the adventures I had in God because I had space and a willingness to be quickly obedient. Whereas today I get in the car and I've got my hands-free phone and I'm making phone call after phone call and I'm listening to the things I have to listen to. And, you know, and all of that's necessary and good. But God's been calling me back to a place of repentance where you know, some of the good things are the enemy of the best. And one thing he's desired... He desires that we would know him, that we would minister to him. And so I was so blessed, um, so blessed by the word. And uh, just pondering and thinking about 2 Corinthians today, chapter 7 is beautiful. And the beauty of repentance, it says here, Paul's talking to them and he says in verse 8, Even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorrow, sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it in the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. And, uh, you know, there, there is a godly sorrow that, le that is so powerful and it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I, and I believe it's so important that we don't make light of sin because God doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't make light of it. He doesn't go, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it, it's important that we allow as we begin to recognize and see oh, the compromise, see the lukewarmness that's crept in, that we don't just go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, move on. But we allow it to cut our hearts and realize, God, you against you alone have I sinned, God. I'm so sorry. And guilt is not a bad thing. 
when you are in sin. You know, if you're doing something wrong, you're supposed to feel guilty. It's like an alarm that goes off on the inside. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's bad, wrong, bad, bad, wrong, wrong, bad, bad, wrong. And, and you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we don't just ignore it when guilt's going on and say, oh, I shouldn't feel guilty. I shouldn't feel guilty. No, allow it to go is there something I need to turn from? Is there something I'm doing that doesn't line up with who I've been called to be, with who I've been set free to be? Because if it is, you're going to live in torment because you were never created to live with unholiness. Light can't have fellowship with darkness and it'll continually leave you in disease until you turn away from it. Repentance isn't just um, accepting that you're forgiven, it's actually turning from your sin. Hallelujah. Making some changes and receiving the grace. But you know, you know after, um, after receiving the forgiveness of God after turning and saying, yeah, God, that's wrong. And you know, sometimes you need to make hard choices where you say, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to break off that relationship or I'm going to, I'm going to make some choices. I'm going to throw some stuff away or I'm going to make some lifestyle changes because I'm genuinely don't want that in my life anymore. I'm not going to just have it hanging around. I, 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 I want, I want freedom. And you make those choices and you allow godly sorrow to bring you to repentance. But then I found that you know, I, I used to be very good at confessing my sin and turning away from my sin. But then I was not always very good at believing how God responded to me. You see, guilt when you are doing the wrong thing is a gift, and if you ignore it, it just, your heart just starts to become calloused and hard. Don't ignore it. Don't try to theologicalize it away. Let it do what it needs to do and repent. But when you've repented, we're not called to live in the hangover of that guilt. You know, I often would live in the hangover of guilt and think, well, you know, I, I'm so... I, 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 I can't believe I did that. I'm such a hypocrite. I'm so sorry, God. And, and I'll turn and I'll make changes. And I'll, but then would, would continue to live with this ongoing ugh, in my spirit, the hangover of, of guilt. But 1 John 3 tells us that even if our heart condemns us, he is greater than our heart. There has to come a place where we are the just who live by faith. Hallelujah. Where we put faith in the forgiveness of Christ. Where we believe that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. That he not only took our guilt, but that he took my crookedness as well. And then he looks at me, having repented and turned from my sin, and he says, I remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, I've separated them from you. Now, as I am, so are you in this world. You can have boldness on the day of judgment because as I am. And you know what? That's a bit hard to take in human emotion. 
Because it doesn't feel fair to consider yourself righteous, as righteous as God. Now that's like, oh, that, oh that's a bit scary. What? Righteous as God? Oh, but God, I know what I was doing. And, I, and you know what? If you're still doing it, you should feel guilty. But if you've turned from it, you need the faith of Jesus Christ to put your trust in him and believe that he's better than you feel like you deserve. Hallelujah. For even if my heart condemns me, he's greater than my heart. Hallelujah. So even if my heart feels guilty, if I have come to him and I've repented and I've turned from my sin, I, as I receive the forgiveness of Christ, the clean garments that he gives me, I then have to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of him. What I mean by that is any thought then that I have about myself that doesn't line up with the truth about who he is, is actually a lie that's trying to steal the boldness of the witness that I'm called to have. Because if I allow a little lie after I've turned and I've repented from my sin and I'm, I'm coming and I'm worshipping the Lord and I'm still hearing this voice, oh, you hypocrite, who do you think you are? Or, or you want to go and lead someone to Jesus or lay hands on the sick and the voice is there going, but you're really not very spiritual. You know, you could, oh, look what you did. And we, for me, I would often just try to ignore it. Not listening to you, not listening to you. But it doesn't go away. In fact, it thinks I'm tolerating it, so it goes and gets its friends. And suddenly I'm surrounded. <laughs> but the Bible doesn't say tolerate it. It says take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Every thought. So every time you have... If you've, if you've repented of your sin, I mean turn from your sin and repented and received the mercy of Christ by faith, then any thought you have about yourself that doesn't line up with who he is now needs to be taken captive, cast down and replaced with truth. Hallelujah. <sighs> Let's just read that scripture just so you can see it because it's so powerful. Um, 1 John chapter 4. I love 1 John, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. Written by the disciple who Jesus loved. He wrote that about himself. I am the disciple who Jesus loved. <laughs> oh man, I love him. It's so beautiful. 1st John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That's not in the world to come. That's not after you die. As he is, so are we. Oh, really God? As he is. Now, like who? Maybe Ben. No, anyone who would humble themselves and receive, having repented of their sin, receive the mercy of Christ. He now says, now you can have boldness on the day of judgment. 
but God, but God. I remember what I did. He says, I don't. I will make no mention of your past sins. But my heart feels guilty while I'm greater than your heart. It's why it's called the good news. And it doesn't make you want to run out and sin again. It makes you want to get on your face and say, Oh God, oh God, now unto you who is able to keep me from falling. Oh God, oh God, oh God. As you are, so am I in this world. God help me. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah. And in this, in this season of acceleration, God's not wanting us to live in compromise. He's not wanting us to live with, um, with all the, the things that we've tolerated. And, and he's calling us out of lukewarmness. He's calling us out of compromise. He's calling us into holy focus and freedom. And as we do, as we cast up the highway, as we take out the stones, as we diligently speak the truth to one another in love, as we sharpen each other, iron sharpening iron, and we give ourselves consecrated to Him, as we come there, we've also got to add in the faith that pleases God. And that is faith that believes I can't achieve holiness in my own strength, but I will receive the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to live free from sin and to live as He is in the earth. You see, until we actually believe it, we'll, we'll continually undermine the confidence, the boldness. We kept singing, You are my champion. And singing about you give me confidence. Well, that confidence isn't built on how you've behaved up to now. It's built on the fact that the mercy of God has come and made me new. I take communion at night time and in the morning and often, uh, often twice a day. Not as a ritual or a religious thing, but I, I just have to remind myself as I take the bread and I look at it and I, I have to remind myself, God, I just want to unpack every burden, every weight, Lord, all the sorrows, all the sin. Oh, God, I thank you that you, you were broken for my for my sin. You were, you were bruised for everything that was crooked about me. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. I see all the burdens and I unpack the worries of the day. Surely he carried, bore my sorrows. So I give him all my sorrows. I put it on the bread. I visualize it. I see it. And I eat the bread and I take the cup and I look at it and go, it was real blood that was shed for, for that which I did yesterday. Oh, Real blood. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. As I repent and as I turn from it, I thank you. Your real blood was spilt. And so I, I don't take any of it lightly, but as I take it, I have, to, I have to lean into this perfect love to allow him to, to cut away the false humility that would hang over in my heart and say that feeling guilty when I've repented is a holy thing. 
You know, it's not guilt. It's condemnation. Guilt, guilt is there if you're still doing the wrong thing. You don't want that to go away. But condemnation's the hangover that's caused by unbelief. As we do that, I, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us. We've been hearing him talk about Isaiah 61, Isaiah 62. You'll hear prophets speaking about it all the time um, in, in this current time because God is, a, is, is on the move. I tell you, the harvest is so ripe and the spirit of the sovereign God is upon us and he's looking for a bride who actually believe that as he is, so are they in this world, who lay hands on the sick and see them recover, who, who do the works of Jesus and believe and expect it. Elisha, he believed for a double portion of Elijah's mantle. But then he, when he saw him go up, he picked up the, the mantle, he struck the water and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You and I haven't received a double portion of, Elisha, of Elijah's mantle. But Elisha went on and he did double the recorded miracles of Elijah. But you and I have actually received something so much greater Jesus, who was taken up, said, the same works that I do and greater works shall they do. But it's going to require a people who in holy boldness will pick up the mantle of righteousness, who'll pick up the robes of righteousness, who'll pick up the mantle of Christ himself and say, yes, well, where is the Lord God of my father? Where, my father God, where is, where is my God in my life? How is he going to be manifested in my life today? The same works that he did, I am called to do today. And it's going to take a people who are living free from the hangover, Free from the guilt, free from the shame. Isaiah 61 verse 7 says this. If you want to read with me, hallelujah. Isaiah 61 verse 7. I'm going to read it in the Amplified because it's good here. He says this, Instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double what they'd forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. God's idea of justice isn't to ignore sin or gloss over it or wink at it. His idea of justice is that he would become sin. He who knew no sin would become sin and be punished in our place that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And he tells us now, if any of your former shame, pain or disgrace, I want you to exchange it. I want you to bring it to me and I will give you double for your trouble. So we bring him our sin, our guilt, our shame, and he gives us in exchange his righteousness, his freedom, his peace and his joy. And, you know, I really believe that this is a time where we are called to be proactive. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And we know a lot of things. But if we'll actually start to apply what we know, 
God will put the pedal down and the acceleration will start to happen. You see, the heart of God is that we will not, not just tolerate stuff, but that we'll take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and that we will bring to Him everything that looks like shame, pain or disgrace. It's a, it's a bit like, have you ever had been overseas and had foreign currency, um, foreign coins, foreign notes? You can't spend them in the country that you're in unless you exchange them. And then you get an exchange rate. And if you don't, it's just useless to you. It just weighs you down. In the kingdom, God wants us to exchange. He wants us to bring our sin. And it's not like, I'll give you forgiveness while you keep your sin. It's an exchange. You hand it over and you get righteousness. And, and you, you bring him pain, shame, embarrassment, disgrace. And you hand it over and you let it go. You put it on his body. You let it go. And you know what? In exchange, he gives you double honor. I, I do it really intentionally. People slander us on, uh, if, they, if they slander us on the internet or in the media. We, we did this. I remember years ago, someone wrote, made a nasty video about me. Can you believe that? And, um, and I was like, Tom, no, 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 if they only knew my heart. And he goes, stop watching it. <laughs> and we deliberately, in the kitchen, in the, in the kitchen, I remember us together, we deliberately sewed it. And we said, Lord, this looks like shame. This looks like dishonor in the media. So we're going to sew it a double favor in the media. So we're going to release it to you. We're not going to think about it anymore. And we're going to receive and imagine what it's going to look like to get double favor. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I do. People say, how do you get these media opportunities? <laughs> it's a really good exchange rate. Really good exchange rate. Oh, but I was abused and I was abandoned and I was rejected. Well, you know what? It's actually foreign currency I can use. The worst things that have happened I can actually bring to the table in faith and exchange it for double recompense. When my eldest daughter, I had trouble with her when she was a teenager and it was just so awful. It was so much pain. And I was just going to, I was going to leave ministry. I was, I, I don't know what to do. Oh God, you know, as parents, you'd do anything. But the Lord told me to keep ministering. And so we just kept sowing the pain. We sow it, sowed it, sowed it. And you know what? In the time that she was away from the Lord, God brought hundreds of young people her age into our church to call us mama, to call me mama. And now today, I mean, praise God, it's just so beautiful how he's restored her and all the things that have happened. And I wasn't going to share this, but Alex, when it, during the transition, talked about how he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know, there's nothing that's happened that you can't bring to the divine exchange table. 
in faith to say, God, I thank you for the divine exchange rate. Isaiah 61 is all about beauty in exchange for ashes, the oil of joy in exchange for mourning, the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. But it's not that plus your heaviness. It's actually you deliberately handing it over and saying, God, I give it to you. There it is. And not wasting a drop. I don't waste a drop. If I recognize it, wow, that doesn't look like righteousness, peace, or joy. That looks like slander, shame, pain, disgrace. Fantastic. That's worth something. And the exchange rate's really good. Shaka basundara. That's going to be good, God. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, I really believe that this is an hour where God is calling us to recognize, to come into the slipstream of His divine acceleration. But that we have this window of opportunity, I really believe. I feel it. There's a warning from God. Take out the stones. Do away with the stuff that you don't want the light to be. Exposing, get rid of the, the things that are going to hinder the acceleration. We, you know, when, you, when you're about to catch a wave, you, you're deliberate. You start swimming. You start focusing on where you want to go because the wave's going to accelerate you. Well, I tell you, the wave is coming, ready or not. And you want to be focused. You want it to accelerate you where you want to go. You don't want it just to tumble you around. This is the church's finest hour. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles beyond anything we've seen before. We're going to see favor for the, for the purpose of harvest. We're going to see the miraculous. But it's, I tell you, the wheat and the tares are going to rise up at the same time. Make sure you get ready because this is going to be a wild ride. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your hand, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you haven't left us as victims just trying to survive. But Father, you have a purpose, Lord God. Lord, your desire is to triumph, is to cause your people to triumph over all the things that the enemy has thrown against them, not to retreat and lick their wounds, but God, to take what the enemy meant for evil, to sow it and exchange it for double recompense. And you're calling your people by by faith to step into holiness, to step into freedom, to step into the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, to fix our eyes like flint and focus on what you're calling us to. Father, I'm asking, Spirit of God, that you would revive our hearts, that you'd give us eyesalve to see and to recognize, oh God, only one thing is needful. God, that we would fix our eyes on you, that we'd be intentional, God, (laughs) to start swimming, to start applying what we know, that your name might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to, we're going to just pray for a couple of people before we close. But before I do that, I want to ask you, if you know in your heart you haven't exchanged your sin and your life for the gift of salvation. 
God gives everybody that opportunity. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And light can't have fellowship with darkness. You can't actually be joined to God and have anything dark in you. But you can't, in your own effort, make yourself as holy as God. And only one as holy as God can be joined to God. So without Jesus, we've, we've got no hope of eternal life. But if you humble yourself and say, God, I, I need to exchange my sin for your gift of righteousness. I want to exchange my life to receive your life. The Bible says if anyone seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. But if he loses his life for my sake, he'll find it. It's the divine exchange table. God, I bring you my old life, my crooked life. He came to make the crooked places straight. Hallelujah. I bring you my crooked life. I bring you all that's been wrong in my life. And I lay it at the table. And I receive by faith in exchange the life of Jesus. I receive the mercy of Christ. I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive the gift of righteousness, forgiveness. Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. But the wages of sin is death, eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And all we have to do is say, yes, God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my need of Jesus. I want you to come and make me new on the inside. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.